0: he's going there, I always do this, if you've not joined us on uh, Thursday nights, once a month I come here on Thursday night and the Rock is gracious to open up their chapel to us and we do a course on growing as a prayer warrior, where we learn how to pray and the last several months, it usually takes a while to do this, we work through spiritual warfare and how to pray against that and see our family members through prayer, get set free And we're on the last section of that tomorrow night is how to break lies over people's lives. So if you're interested, can prayer actually set people free in that arena? It can. If you've never had an opportunity to look at that or would like to learn about that, we will be meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in the chapel. And I'd like to personally invite you to come and join us. I think you'll enjoy it. We also have a time when we get done to actually minister and pray for each other. So if you'd like to be set free yourself, Please come. We'd be more than happy to pray for you. No one enjoyed that. All right, let's keep moving forward. It's kind of interesting. Um, In John chapter 20, verse 21, um, I'm going to just kind of dive into this with you guys. Uh, Just to clarify something that Marcus said, not that he got it wrong. I didn't give him the information correct, so he's only telling you what I shared with him, which was wrong. So I'm going to kind of clarify that. It doesn't matter, but it helps with what we're doing. Um, When we started Plumline Ministry, that's the organization that I'm a part of. The mission statement of Plumline is to reveal God as a father. So over the last uh, almost 30 years now, our main mission is everything that we develop comes out of the idea that God is a father and wants to reveal his love to his children. And we believe that he loves so much that, as a father, he releases the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we believe in a Trinitarian view, but our main focus is that God is a father, and he wants to emanate and display his love intentionally to his children. So with that being said, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you now. This is what um, is described, the call of fathers. So God is a father. He calls, now this is interesting. In the Bible, sometimes when it's referring to the whole body of Christ, it will use gender language for both men and women, even though the subject itself is gender specific in the sense of this. God calls the whole entire body of Christ to father people. That's how it's described in scripture. Also, just to show you an example of that, it tells the whole body of Christ, whether you're men or women, you're the bride of Christ. So do you guys get it? Gender-specific, because it carries a concept behind it. So God doesn't call, God is described as a mother in one place in Scripture, but the main theme of fathering, since God is God the Father, there's a concept that God is trying to get across as a father. So here in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says this. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, this can actually be used in a lot of different ways. This can describe what is the nature of God? How do we teach on the nature of God? Well, as the Father has sent the Son, He's sending us. So we get to see God as a Father sending His Son to reveal Him as a Father so that we are sent the same way. If we are teaching on How do you actually serve people well? We'd say, well, God gives us the way that Jesus did it is the way we're to do it. Now, when he's using this very specifically when it's talking about fathering, it's very important. We need to now give a distinction. If God is a father and he sent his son to reveal him as a father and then we're to now step into that place, what does it mean to father very interesting. When I was writing a book on fathering, we've kind of messed it up in our culture. We've now communicated that it's the woman's job to nurture. It's the the man's job to provide. Well, in the scripture, it actually shows both men and women, one of the main characteristics of God being a father is to nurture people. Now, there is a distinction, just so you understand, between teaching and nurturing. Sometimes teaching is part of nurturing, but nurturing itself is bigger than just talking at people. Our culture loves talking, and we think that's a form of nurture. The Bible actually gives different categories to describe the nurturing process, and Jesus modeled it. So if we're going to actually father people, disciple people, and call them into the kingdom, we have to now say, well, how did the Father send Jesus? How did Jesus actually nurture people? And how, what example has he given us, not just in talking at people, but how do we live among people so that they're actually brought into an encounter with God being a Father? All that you and I are doing as believers is intentionally revealing Christ a very specific way so people can get a clear picture of who God is as a father so that they can actually love him the way he wants to be loved. So we have a problem or something that gets in the way of it. Tell me if you guys have ever experienced this. One, people don't know that it's God's desire to nurture his children, so they believe it's their job to earn love. This is where the term religion and legalism comes up in Scripture. God has not called you to be religious. What is religious? It's thinking, if I do certain activities, somehow God will respond to this. When you believe an activity gets God to respond to you, you have now entered into trying to earn the love of God instead of receiving the love of God. When you try to earn the love of God, you now embrace in what's called vain or false religion. This is what the spirit of religion promotes all the time. People doing activities trying to gain the love of God. God's nature is to love. So it doesn't need to be earned, it needs to be encountered. By the way, you and I are so saturated with this, we learn this as we're even raised up in the culture we live in, everyone believes they have to earn love. And then here Jesus comes on the scene and says, actually, I don't want you earning anything, I want to demonstrate it to you. And so he aggressively goes after you when you're at your worst so he can demonstrate to you, I don't want you to earn it, I want you to receive it. And then we're giving parable after parable about people that can't earn love, and he's trying to get across the idea to you, stop trying to earn it by being religious. You're not going to get what you're hoping for in the midst of it. Number two, legalism. This is another form of trying to earn God's love, but it's you're forcing standards on everybody that no one can meet. They use the law to say if you're perfect at keeping the law, God will love you. You guys ready? What's the purpose of the law? Two purposes in Scripture. To teach you righteousness and to show you you can never reach perfection so that you can receive the mercy of God. So the law teaches me what, what is right or what is wrong. Once we learn that, we have paths of righteousness. That's the idea of the law. But the law in and of itself cannot bring me into a relationship of being nurtured by God. All it does is condemn me. So the Bible intentionally says, don't try to come to this. Put standards in front of yourself and other people and say, if you do this perfectly, then God will love you. Because you'll never experience the nurture of God based on legalism. It is a taskmaster is intentionally to drive you to find the mercy of God, not try to earn God's approval. We have people in the body of Christ running around being religious because they're starved for the embrace and the nurture of God, and we have another group in the body of Christ running around being legalistic and being pharisaical and hard on everybody, thinking if we can get a whole entire group to obey certain things, maybe God will love us. And both of them are wrong pictures of who God is as a father. And so Jesus has to come in a physical form and now begin to aggressively attack this because if we do not get this, you cannot get what God is trying to simply give to you on a daily basis the nurturing of a father into a child's life. You never, ever grow past this idea that God will always be a father to you and you will always be a child. You're just at different stages of maturity, and then when you step into eternity, you're still in that relational dynamic, and from God's perspective, it is His desire to overwhelm you with His love forever. So if that is what God has created you and I to live in, if we're going to now walk and come the way that Jesus did, we have to break people free from legalism, break them free from false religion and vain thinking and begin to intentionally by what we say and do create the pattern of nurture that comes from God to set people free to receive his mercy. As you guys can tell I've only been thinking about this for a week. So let's let's begin the, the adventure of what this actually looks like. So the Bible now comes to you and says, all right, Jesus modeled what his father was like so that people would see it and catch it. Now, I don't know if you guys are like I am. How many of you have heard brilliant teachers telling you, be this way, and then you go, but how do I do it? In this situation, how do I model this? And we hear great information. I have to tell you, one of the most frustrating things when it came to the body of Christ when I first started listening to pastors and teachers, is they'd say, would you please be righteous? And I'd go, great, how do you do it? And they'd just keep saying, would you please be righteous? I'm like, okay, I've, I've signed up. I'm, I want to be righteous. How do I do it? And then they'd never tell me, how do you do it? And so I found myself saying, yeah, I want to be righteous, but there's no modeling. There's no demonstration. There's in this situation, how do you actually model it? And I found myself wanting to go there, but not having any modeling. Well, the good thing is, is Jesus comes and says, hey, I'm not going to tell you to do this without modeling. He actually comes to you and says, I'm going to model to you and I'll give you a standard that I want you to begin to reach for. Now, isn't this interesting? I just told you, you cannot earn the love of God, but you can learn to set your heart in a certain standard of something so that you're enjoying the benefits of something. You can't earn it, but you can enjoy it. So it's like this. The Bible gives us these patterns or these models or these paths to walk on. And when we walk in them, it's like we tap into a reservoir of a refreshing embrace of God's love. And if we don't go in that pattern, we stay dry until we figure out that pattern. So the first pattern that Jesus gives us comes out of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And it's called the compassion of God. This is difficult, isn't it? Because you and I live in a fallen world. So do you remember when the Bible says, don't return evil for evil? And we read that and we go, yeah, that's right. And then people do evil things to us. And we go, wow. My first response is to take a two-by-four and hit him with it in a, in a loving way. <laughs> and so you have Jesus modeling this stuff. Look, I want you to begin to look at things differently. I want you to begin to observe things, and I want you to do it through what we call the prism of compassion. You have to begin to look at things as, this is an opportunity for me to model the compassion of the Lord. So, let's define compassion, and then we'll look at the passage. Compassion is interesting because the way it's used in the Greek New Testament is it's used like this bottle right here. You and I from Scripture are considered a container, and whatever is put in is what we draw out of to refresh people. So when Jesus, uh, we're going to look at a a passage, you're going to see him going among sin and brokenness, and you're going to hear a response from him. And I'm going to hopefully describe this to you. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. Now, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All right, now here it is. He had compassion on them. So that actually means that, you guys Ready? I can come into a group of people and recognize that they sin, they're evil and rebellious, how am I going to respond to them? Now, the Greek word here for compassion is interesting. It doesn't say Jesus drawed out of himself compassion. It actually means he presented himself to be filled. And what was he filled with? The Father's heart, which is compassion... And then he was able to see them clearly and minister to them. All right, so go here with me. Biblical compassion is interesting because it's different than you and I having sympathy. Sympathy is a response because we're made in the very image of God to feel pity for brokenness and and destruction in people's lives. But it's different than compassion. Compassion comes from the Father's heart. It Breaks you intentionally to begin to want to relieve the suffering of people. Not just look at it and go, wow, that's too bad. Maybe they ought to quit sinning. Okay, so how do you know you're, you're actually doing it? Jesus puts a standard in front of you. and he Now, isn't this funny? Here's the paradox of the kingdom. Jesus says, put yourself in the middle of destruction and let me break your heart. This is so hard to teach because I see the looks on your guys's face. Excuse me. How do you respond when you're knee-deep in wickedness and people are doing evil things? What does your heart do? Now the Bible's going after you and it's wanting to get you to be like Jesus. Do you close your heart? Is that the proper biblical response? Do you get angry? Is that the correct biblical response? See, the Bible actually wants you to be in the same place that Jesus was so that you stop turning to your own internal compassion and actually give up and say, I don't have compassion on him. You have to give me compassion. You cannot minister to people and you cannot uh, help people unless God gives you his heart for them. You have nothing to draw out of. You have nothing to reach towards. You have nothing to give them just by showing sympathy. Now, if you guys ever, there's this uh, really interesting thing. There's this motivational gift called compassion. Have you guys ever heard of it? It's in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, it's in Romans chapter 12. It's a motivation. There are a lot of people that have the motivational gift. So they're like, no, I have compassion for people. Biblical compassion is different than that Greek word in that passage in Romans. You do not have the same level of compassion that God has. Why? because it's an infilling of the Father's heart, and it actually delivers people from the areas that they're caught in. You cannot draw that out of yourself to give that to somebody. And so we now have a standard. So think about this. The first thing Jesus tells you to do is to put yourself in the middle of every mess that's going on in life and letting God break your heart because of it. Now, are you guys like me? I try to avoid it. I try to stay out of it. And then I usually don't respond properly to it. I get mad, I get frustrated, I get worn out, and and I'm always saying, let me go on a retreat so I don't have to deal with this. Now, you guys don't think that way, but that's how I try to work through it. And you guys ready? This is a unique thing that comes from God being a father and then saying he wants us to raise up people in this nature. He's saying... He overcame the world because his compassion was greater than the suffering and the evil that he was in the midst of. But he only got it from his Father. You and I can actually stand in a broken, hurting world if we get it from the Father. If we try to say, well, I'm going to act like Jesus, but don't draw from his resources, we won't have the ability to stand. And then I'll just kind of drive it to the end here, and we'll go to the next principle. If we keep putting ourselves in a position where we need to be filled by the Father's heart and be given His compassion, and we're put in that position and we don't, we end up learning, we learn two things. We learn how to harden our heart when we shouldn't, or we burn out because we can't stand in that situation. Both of them are a sign that you're drawing from the wrong place to minister to people. You can't, do uh, you guys get it? Have I driven it home? You cannot minister in God's compassion. You can only get it from him and then minister to people. And this is hard because we don't talk like this. We just say, hey, show compassion. The Bible's trying to be really nice to you, but it's trying to cut to the axe of the tree. You don't have this compassion. Give up. Turn to the Lord. He'll give it to you. And Jesus modeled it. When he went into cities, here's the second person of the Trinity, and he's even saying, I don't have the compassion that's needed in this situation, so I need to be broken, filled with my Father's heart, and then give out of that. By the way, do you see how out of that he healed every disease, he drove out every demon, he raised people from the dead? That's a powerful compassion. Let's keep moving forward. So... Here's what the Bible says. How do we learn this? Well, you learn it by living and skinning your knees constantly. One of, the, one of the most exciting things that God has ever allowed me to do was, I was just thinking about this. I was getting ready to get up here. In what area of serving people have I done the most of? And it's actually pastoral ministry. I've been in small groups now, literally every year, since my 20s, <laughs> So I've done more than 30 years of pastoral ministry now. And when you do this year after year, all of a sudden you try every method that everybody tells you, and then you learn to start hearing from the Lord on how to care for people. And the first six years of doing small group ministry, I don't know if any of you guys ever experienced this. If you've never experienced this, I'm going to pray for you to have this experience. God sent me every hard case in our church to my small group for the first six years that I did it. And so what, what happened when I moved to Kansas City is everyone found out that I had biblical training and also pastoral and counseling training. And instead of going and paying to go see a counselor, they just came to my small group. So I had every person that had needed counseling but couldn't afford it in my small groups. And, I, and God put me in that cave with them so he could break my heart and I could learn to minister to people. And... I had to learn, and guys, you get it? I didn't read a book and figure out, well, this is how to do it. I'd actually have to get with the Lord, and he'd have to tell me about each person's heart and how he expected me to minister to him. and I didn't realize he was that technical about this stuff. In fact, it actually surprised me that God would actually start coming to me. I'd pray for my small groups, and he'd say, hey, this person has this issue going on this week, so I want you to minister this way, and I'm like, really? I didn't think God was that... You guys ready? Specific and intentional, but he actually is. And he'd start, which I'm going to get to the next point, he'd start telling me, here's what's going on in people's hearts, and here's how I want you to begin to perceive people based out of my heart for them. And that's the second point. So let's, let's work on that. And Genesis chapter 49, verse 28 you have a story of God actually calling the 12 tribes to him. This is interesting. He's actually, isn't this interesting? We kind of see these stories and we're like, yeah, but is God showing himself as God or as a father? Well, it's kind of both. He's calling them together to bless them. Now, this is interesting. This is um, what fathers are supposed to learn to do. And this is actually a prophetic utterance. And so if you guys have ever wondered, what's the purpose of the prophetic ministry? It's to bless children. if you guys ever did this, but the Lord shared this with me a long time ago with my three kids. He told me that, he told my wife and I, our responsibility every night was to go into their bedroom with them if they wanted to read a book or whatever, and then pray a blessing over them. And when we first started, it was just kind of a blessing that we made up. And as the years started going on, we realized, wait a minute. Blessing and scripture and prophecy are actually tied together, so to, instead of making something up in my head, I probably ought to get a word over my kid and bless him with it every night. Now, in fact, it's even more specific than that. It's not just a general blessing. Hey, God, I started realizing that God expects a father's blessing to awaken in a child their destiny and call them to it. And that's what we actually see going on in this passage. So, it doesn't matter who you're around, if you're going to model fathering, your job is to figure out, from God's perspective, the way he's created them, see who they are in his sight, and call them to it. Because most people do not see themselves the way that God sees them. They live in a false picture of their identity. A true picture of their identity comes from God giving words of knowledge and prophecy This is who they really are. Speak to them that way and call them that way and nurture them that way. And so when the Lord started talking to me about my kids, he'd tell me, here's their strengths, here's their weaknesses, and I would prophesy over them, which is the Father's blessing, every night. And then because God gave me that insight, I realized my responsibility now was to take my resources, my time, and my energy and Focus the child that direction so that they could come into everything they were supposed to be. You, you get outside of yourself and you start looking at the destiny of an individual and you say, that's more important than just saying nice things to them. Fathers look at children at what they're supposed to be and they call them to it. So when I get around people, my goal, you guys Ready? My goal is not to be charismatic. My goal is to be like the father and see his children the way he does and come into alignment with them and break whatever is on them that shouldn't be, speak truth to them in such a way that they'll start seeing themselves from a clear picture and then pulling them towards it by blessing them in it. And our job in fathering people, and most people, well, I don't know if I want to do that, Everything we call ministry, or serving people is to get them to come who they are in Christ, so that they're satisfied in him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you guys get the emphasis with the lights and everything? Okay. I'm going to use a, a, a funny illustration for you guys. Um, there was a movie, several a book written and then a movie made out of it. It was called "The Chronicles of Narnia." And there was a specific uh, part of it. Have any of you ever seen this show? Okay. The first one, the one that they always produce first, the lie and the witch in the wardrobe. Interesting thing, there was a certain point where um, Edmund got rescued. And all of them had to have this interesting experience where Aslan had to bring him into a tent and roar over him. I don't know if you guys remember that. And the purpose of the roar was to what? shake them out of how they saw themselves. There was some form of impartation when Aslan roared over the kids. And then, you guys ready? When they came out of the tent, the next thing that God brought them into was a battle. Okay, so what does that have to do with any of this? As God is helping you define yourself, do you know the best way to figure out your identity is to be put into a battle? So, J.R. likes us, no one else does. And so, you guys ready? I don't learn authority, I don't learn who I am, unless I have to war for it. And there's something really bizarre, and it's a paradox in the kingdom, that God as a father, do you guys realize, as a father, he sent the son into the wilderness to war right after he said, you're my beloved son. It solidified him in his identity to be affirmed, and then go into battle. Because it, it establishes you. Oh, I actually am this person because I've fought and won. So how many of you, when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I've heard this testimony, I don't know how many times, I came to the Lord and my life went into chaos. And we're like, and why did that happen? And we always assume it's because the enemy was going after me to destroy me. The reality was is that you had the Father's blessing spoken over you, and then the Lord took you into the wilderness and said, go after him so he can be formed in his identity. And in our culture, we teach, okay, God isn't into that, so let's all hide from that place. Let's find a, a vacation or try to figure out how to get out of it as fast as I can. And the Bible is saying, no, the minute you go through Christ and you're in a new land, it's your job to take winter and turn it into springtime, and you have to battle to get there, and when you do, your nobility comes back, and the Father's blessing rests on you consistently as you war for it. Now, I didn't understand this for a long time, and so I'd be in small groups with people, and we'd get a breakthrough in their life, and then this total chaos would come over them, and I'd think, how much warfare can people stand in their life, and then I started seeing the pattern. Oh, there's a rhythm to this. God isn't trying to... Remember in Scripture it tells you you will not have to endure more than you can stand. So God knows what you're able to put up with. He doesn't give you more than you can stand. So you guys ever thought, all this junk I'm having to deal with, have you ever said to the Lord, wow, I really don't think this is fair. Or maybe you're taking someone else's struggle and you're putting it on me. And God's saying, no... Your true identity actually can sustain this, and so I'm allowing the pressure to push you to grab my embrace so that you can break free into that. So if we're going to nurture people, you guys ready? This is why the Bible says to be fathered, you have to walk alongside people, and as they're going through the battle, you're lifting them up in prayer, and you're telling them, you are really this. You can overcome this. I'm going to walk with you as a family through this because I believe in who you are. That's what fathers do with their children. That's what God the Father does with us. He doesn't take us away from the battle. He says, let's go through it because you're going to discover something about yourself in Let's look at 1 John 2.14. Look at how the scripture now describes this process. It says, I have written to you, children, that you may know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, that you may know him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young people, that you are strong and the word of God resides in you and you have conquered the evil one. Do you guys get it? When you first meet Christ, you, part of the maturing process is discovering him as a father. The, the teenage years or the years of uh, being young men, as scripture describes it, is what? Learning God as a father and then overcoming the enemy. And then what we call a mature believer is they they know him as a father, they've learned to defeat the evil one and then they as they reach, and here's how you can tell am I maturing in Christ you stop thinking about yourself and you say hey I'm going to I'm going to take the father's blessing and I'm going to put it on everyone that comes near me Uh, I don't know I can't remember when this happened to me hopefully it didn't just happen a few years ago but I I do remember when I finally turned 50 you start having a thought about life like I'm not going to be here forever And so, this isn't just about conquest anymore. What am I going to leave behind? And you start thinking of what's called legacy. You guys ready? Jesus, as he was finishing up, do you guys get it? His whole legacy was to reveal God as a father. He said, If I could leave anything with you guys, it's this God as a father. He nurtures his children. He walks with them through everything. He calls them to who they are. He, he establishes them in Christ, which means Christ is what we're supposed to be like, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's described the process of nurturing as a father to children. And we enter into it with everybody at whatever stage you are at. Some people you get to introduce to the Father. Some people you get to walk through their learning to fight the evil one. Other people, you're trying to teach them, hey, God has developed a history of embracing you and nurturing you. Now it's time for you to give it away to other people. I keep trying to figure out, uh, it's funny... I have a lot of stories of God doing things, but I, he always keeps making me come back to this one. I don't, I don't know why it is. I guess I have to tell it one more time, so here we go. Several years ago, um, I was out here in Colorado doing some meetings, and if you guys, uh, if you, everyone, everyone always asks me, what do you do like when you fly into town and after you get out of meetings and stuff? Really, my life's kind of boring lie into town, I try to rest, and then I do meetings, and I'll actually do this. I'll go to Chipotle, because I haven't eaten yet. Well, when I go to Chipotle, I believe, now, I don't know if you guys ever thought about this, but what we, the Lord started showing me, Brian, you go to places, and you think of events of being like me. He said, everywhere I take you is a divine encounter, if you'll recognize it. So when you go to restaurants, don't just go to restaurants to get food realize you've come into a venue where the Father's heart can show up. And you ask him, and so he started teaching me, ask me what I'm doing in this restaurant. So we had just got done doing some healing meetings, and we went to Chipotle. I went with a group of people, and I told them, hey, could I go ahead and uh, pay for you guys to have dinner? And they all agreed to had some new thing they'd created at Chipotle, and so everyone that I was going to pay for got stuck because they were giving them free samples. And so I'm just kind of standing there waiting to pay, and the girl behind the counter is, I I think she was like 17, and I'm just looking at her and she's just looking at me. Now, I've shared this before, and I asked this really dumb question of the Lord. You don't have a word for her, do you? That's a great way to start asking God for his blessing, isn't it? You don't have a word for her. (laughs) So I said, you don't have a word for her, do you, Lord? And you guys ready? Here's how I describe it. The Father's heart started coming into me. I could feel God's compassion. I'm like, oh, boy, he actually does have a word for her. So I'm like, well, what do you want to do here? And I, I see her playing musical instruments. And the Lord says, I've, give, I've gifted her. You guys get it? Destiny words. I've g- gifted her with musical ability then the scene changes and I see her up in a bedroom writing music on a sheet and then the Lord said she doesn't just play instruments she has a creativity to write it she plays several instruments so what do you do with that so I just looked at her and I asked her a question I said hey do you um, play music and really like music And, and she said yeah how in the world do you know that now I'm going to tell you the story, but think of God being a father here, the thing I just told you. He comes, and, and people that don't even know him, he calls them to their true identity. How did you know that? I said, well, the God who loves you loves sharing these kind of things. I said, I, do you have, do you, is your bedroom like upstairs in your house, and you have like this little light, and you turn it on, and you actually write music? And she's like, how, how in the world do you know that? And I said, well, the God who loves you loves sharing these kind of things. And then she does this. And I went, well, that's different. (laughs) I've never seen that one before. And then, I don't know if you guys ever get this, but when you step into the compassion of God, God fills you to the point of overflowing. You actually hit into what we call an eternal blessing of the Father. All of a sudden, I just forgot... I'm not at some Christian meeting. I just, wow, this is a God thing. And and I could feel his love, and all of a sudden I just, all the barriers that we have, they just melted away. I got super excited. And I said, Isn't that interesting? I said, What's going to happen to you is in the future you're going to write worship songs. And the spirit, and this is a person, I don't even know if they know the Lord. I said, and the Spirit of the Lord's going to fall on people and they're going to get healed by the presence of the Lord. And she's just looking at me. I said, Does that make any sense to you? And she goes, No. And then she went like this. And I went, what is that? <laughs> so I said, well, I'm done. Does that make any sense to you? And she goes, no. And I went, okay. So I just paid for the meal. Thought, I don't know what that was. Started talking to someone. Lee was with me. And she said, hey, I don't think you're done. I think you're supposed to go over there and lead her to the Lord. Uh, if you guys... I don't know if you noticed. I think I have a great sense of humor. So I said to her, why do I have to do everything? You go do it. So <laughs> she went over there. And this is my perspective on it. Her and the, you know, If you ever watch women minister to women, they do a real good job. It takes guys like 15 years to figure out how to be nice. They're, they're, they're nodding their head, and then they're crying, and then they're hugging, and then they're handing a sheet of paper. And I thought, Okay. And so Lee comes back, and I'm like, what, what happened right there? And she said, well, she said, did you understand what he was saying to you? Now, listen to this, what she says to Lee. She, I asked her if she had any questions. She said, no. She said, well, he asked me, do I understand what's going on? And she goes, I don't know why I said no. She said, the whole time he was talking to me, this tangible thing of love was flowing around me and I kept trying to grab it and put it in my heart. And Lee goes, well, that was Jesus. Would you like that tangible love to be in you the rest of your life? She goes, yes. And she just received the Lord right there. Now, forget my part. Think about God's part in this. He's filling me up with his compassion, but he's literally swirling around someone with a tangible sense of his compassion. Because people, you and I in this room, are not longing to see if we could do another religious activity. We're longing to be embraced by the Father's compassion. Humanity is waiting for that embrace. You guys get it? Now, you have to begin to put yourself in this place to say, my goal is to find his compassion for that person and try to model it and express it in God's way. That's why it's so so fun and so beautiful and so nerve-wracking, because it's not how well you do something. It's how well you catch his heart and give it to an individual. So it actually means that every situation, you're going to be brought into an uncomfortable place of discovering God's love and make it unique for the person you're going to minister to. That's why it can't be generic. There are principles we learn, but the principles are what we call the place to capture the love of God. But it's unique. Each one of you have been uniquely loved on by God the Father to draw you out of your uniqueness, to discover your identity in Christ, and then he's calling you towards it all the time. So it couldn't be the same way I ministered him. would be the same way because they're unique because God created them. You're the same way. So if I'm going to minister God's compassion, God's got to give me his insight on keys of his compassion to unlock the heart so that people encounter it. You guys, uh, am I being too intense? Let me see if I can be more intense, okay? Your job is to try to push people into the compassionate love of God to where they're so overwhelmed by it, they don't care if you're in the room, they've met him. (laughs) Now, do you guys think about it that way? When I'm around people, I'm saying, now how can I be what God wants me to be in this situation so I can immediately get out of the way so they can fall in love with him and see him for who he truly is, and then they want to hang on with him, and whether they regard me the rest of my life or not, who cares? Gosh, it must be February. Would you guys pray with me now? I'm so grateful that you care so deeply. Thank you, Father. We welcome you. Would you come now, Holy Spirit, and shine the light of the glory of your heart upon our souls right now. Just bring your embrace upon us. In the name of Jesus. Anywhere where um, we have residues of being religious, would you break the power of that off of us? Anywhere where we have blinders like the Apostle Paul did, that are like scales in front of our eyes that make us legalistic, we ask for a cleansing to come now. Wash us so that we can clearly see you for who you are. And, Father, for my brothers and sisters in here that have already caught this or they've received this by revelation, would you begin to give them nurturing concepts, nurturing patterns, and make events in life, places for them to nurture people? Okay, so... um, If you're dealing with just being weary ah, I've just been serving the Lord and I feel weary uh, the Lord wants to come now and just refresh you so Lord come I'm going to quote a scripture and pray a blessing come unto me all that are weary heavy laden and I will give you rest bring your rest Strengthen us, Lord, with your embrace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have pain, I'm going to kind of give these real quick. If you have pain in your wrist, specifically right wrist, would you stand the Lord would like to minister to you? Pain in your wrist. But I had specifically also the right the right wrist. If you have pain, please stand. Uh, weakness in your lungs i was like is that from covid or what is that lord didn't give me anything specific but if you have weakness in your lungs it could be allergies it could be any of that kind of stuff if you have that please stand the lord would like to minister to him also some problems with your sinuses could be post-nasal drip or just any type of sinus issues if you have that going on would you stand the lord would like to minister to him And for the people that are standing, would you mind just, you're learning how to receive, would you just put your hands out like uh, God's going to come and give you something? And I don't want you to pray for yourself. I want you to receive. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and give us the full measure of the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. release your healing virtue into our bodies and restore us break the power of these infirmities, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lift them off of them and restore wholeness to them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless your name, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. All right, so let's do these real quick. Is there a gentleman here named Jeff? Alright, so I'm going to trust that this is the Lord, hopefully someone's watching this on video. Hey Jeff, I actually saw the Lord say that you're going to, you've been set up by Him to have a divine encounter with the nearness of the presence of the Lord. There's something that you've longed for, the Lord is going to answer that. And so Lord, I ask that you'd release that right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, over Jeff. Amen. Alright, I had Rachel, and I'm, going to, I'm having a hard time working through this. So is there a Rachel here? Great. Okay, good. All right, good. Yeah, I kind of need So the one I got was Rachel. She had brown hair. I know your wife doesn't have brown hair. Uh, this one was your motivation of compassion. You become weary in it. The Lord's actually going to refresh you. And so, Lord, I ask that you draw near to Rachel, this motivational gift, that you would come near her. Refresh her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, not doing too good on this one, but I'll go ahead and give the last one here. Is there a family here that has the last name Douglas? Okay, hey, three strikes, let's go. <laughs> All right, so Lord, I'm going to just trust you in this for the Douglas family. I just saw you wanting to come near them. A lot of the struggle they're going through right now you are going to intervene in a unique way and set them free from it. So I ask that you would do that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.